things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy with yours truly, Stephen A. Smith, coming at you as I love to do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. That's when we post this podcast, No Mercy. That's K-N-O-W. I hope you figured that out by now. I got a lot of stuff on my mind, as always, but I just felt that with the opening of the NBA season taking place last night, it was important for me to let the sports world know. I ain't forget about you. I ain't forget about you at all. I got a lot of sports stuff that's on my mind over the last several weeks. I know that you've seen an inordinate amount of guests coming on this show. LL Cool J, Ariva Martin, a CNN political analyst, Snoop Dogg himself. And then week two, we had Dana White. And then it was Chris Cuomo, formerly of CNN, now of News Nation. And plus the Chris Cuomo Project, his own podcast. Then we had the one and only Sean Hannity, Fox News fame, famous for the Sean Hannity radio show as well. And then, of course, obviously, we had Jake Paul, we had Tamron Hall and others. So when you look at it from that perspective and you're saying to yourself, hey, what the hell is going on with Stephen A? The great Cheryl Lee Ralph was on as well. I've had a potpourri of guests and the objective, let me be very, very clear. The objective was to show everybody this ain't just a sports podcast. I know you see me on ESPN all the time. You see me and hear me talking about the NFL or the NBA or college football. The list goes on and on. And of course, that's my day job. But this is my podcast, and I own this podcast, and I operate this podcast, and I'm in control of content on this podcast, and I wanted to send a message to everybody that it won't just be about sports. I think I've done that. I think I've done that. So I think it was far time for me to come back, venture back into the sports world for this one particular podcast to show y'all, you never know what the hell I'm going to talk about. You never know what the hell I'm going to talk about. Sports world, I ain't forget about you. Because yes, on this podcast, from time to time, I'll be talking about sports as well. I don't give a damn what happened last night, opening night on TNT. Damn it, the season opens tonight on ESPN. NBA countdown, check your boys out. Me with Jalen Rose, Mike Wilbon, Mike Greenberg. The NBA countdown crew. But since this is the first time I'm touching on sports, in the three plus weeks I've now done this podcast, I thought it was apropos that I touch on a couple of storylines that were on my mind. Stuff percolating. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been weeks since Ime Udoka, head coach for the Eastern Conference champion Boston Celtics, was essentially unceremoniously dismissed as the head coach of the Boston Celtics. 
I know he's still employed by them, but he's not allowed to coach this year. From what I've been told, he had about half his salary deducted. They don't know whether or not they're going to bring him back. They're suspending him for the season. And then after that, they'll take a look at his situation. I have been apoplectic about that. I'm not going to lie to you. I think it's straight bullshit. And by bullshit, I'm not talking about their decision to sit him down. That's not what I'm talking about. According to the reports, because that's all we have to go on. He had a consensual relationship that violated organizational policy. Ladies and gentlemen, I said it before and I'll say it again. Fire him. Fire him. You clearly had him on cause. He clearly violated team policies and he probably lied about it. Fire him. Or keep him. But what you don't do is publicize the man's personal business. I know y'all saw people on the air and y'all seen people in social media and folks trying to twist my words and interpret it to be something that I was I, I, I wasn't trying to say. I'm not sitting up there and saying, oh, well, he was in a consensual relationship. He wasn't by himself. So where's the woman at? Call her out too. No, that's not where I'm going. Where I'm going is you didn't tell us who she was. You didn't tell her personal business what you're telling his for. It's an HR matter. It should have been kept in-house. You could have sat, you literally, as the Boston Celtics, could have sat up there and said, you're fired. Well, what the hell you fire him for? Ask him. Literally. Think about that for a second, ladies and gentlemen. That's all you have to do. Fire him. And let him explain why. We got organizational policies that he violated. We're going to leave it at that. He will no longer be head coach of the Boston Celtics. I wouldn't have said a word. You sit him down for the year and say he violated organizational policy. We're not at liberty to tell you why. It's an HR matter. That is that. I wouldn't have said a word. But stories got leaked out about a consensual relationship. Before it was announced, he was going to be suspended for the year. And then you got Brad Stevens, the president of basketball operations, who I, by the way, I don't blame for being upset because it put him in a very compromising position. And you got the owner up there, Wick Grousberg, who I like, actually. What the hell you have a press conference for? You ain't tell us who she is. You ain't tell us whether the woman was married or, or single. You didn't say whether or not it was an employee of the Celtics or not. But you got his business on Front Street. Ladies and gentlemen, I said it on TV. I'll say it again. I'm a black man. That offends me. Why? Because I know plenty of dudes in my years of covering the, covering the NBA and the NFL and professional sports overall. I know plenty of dudes who was messing around in the office with somebody else who are white. And their business wasn't publicized. I'm going to repeat this again. I am not an advocate 
of whoever Ume Ime Yudoka was messing with to be put on Front Street. It's none of our business. My argument is it's none of our business. The details are none of our business. So Stephen A, why are you so upset? Listen to what your brother's talking to you about. White, black, Hispanic, Asian, we all brothers and sisters here. Listen to what your brother is talking to you about. You didn't fire him so you retained his rights. You suspended him, but it's not definitively for a year because after the year you're going to review and then determine what you're going to do. You cut his pay in half according to what I was told. So he's not allowed to coach and he's not allowed to go elsewhere to coach and he's not allowed to get his money. And purportedly, it was because of a consensual relationship. Why wouldn't I be pissed off? It's bullshit. And by bullshit, I mean how he's been treated. Fire him. Or keep him. But to do this on Front Street, you realize how you're making him look? He's now not looking like some dude that had a consensual relationship. He's looking like a sexual predator. But not so much to the point where you want to fire him. You still want to keep him. What are you scared about, Boston Celtics? You scared the Nets are going to pick him up? He was an assistant coach under Steve Nash. He did show in one year he could do what Brad Stevens couldn't do in seven as the head coach of the Boston Celtics before he was upgraded to president of basketball operations. And this is throwing no shade on Brad Stevens. I like Brad Stevens. And he is a hell of a coach. And he's a good person. They cast the North Spurges on him. And whatever woman that was messing around with Ime Udoka, I don't want to know who she is. It's none of my business. And it's none of yours. But neither was the stuff about Ime. So we got a guy in a rookie year who got at the Boston Celtics to an NBA Finals, clearly one of the best coaches in the game, who, by the way, if he had had another successful season, because the Boston Celtics picked up Malcolm Brogdon, you know, who can ball. They still got Marcus Smart. They still got Jason Tatum. They still got Jalen Brown. They still got Al Horford. They still got Derek White. You got Robert Williams. They got a team that can easily go back to the NBA Finals. Do you have any idea how much money Ime Udoka was in line to get? He's making over $3 million. He would have easily tripled his salary if the Boston Celtics had had a successful year this year. And you took all of that away from him while keeping him. That's imprisonment as far as I'm concerned. He can't go elsewhere to play. I mean, a coach. He got to stay here. But even though he's staying there, he ain't coaching. And even though he ain't coaching, it ain't definitively for one year. It could be one season or it could be two because you got his rights. One of my boys mentioned this to me and I'm tending, I'm inclined to believe him. I think they were scared that the Nets would gobble him up in a heartbeat. That he would be coaching KD and Kyrie and Ben Simmons instead of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And could you imagine if Ime Udoka was the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets? Ladies and gentlemen, we'd be picking them to go to the finals. See, right now we look at them and we say the Brooklyn Nets got the talent to get to the NBA finals. What we're questioning is their mindset. You got KD signing four-year deals with no out 
but asking to be traded before one day of that contract was on it. You got Kyrie that walked in there after missing about 52 games last season and being the only team to get swept in the NBA playoffs last year. And he talking about walking in the door, fully expecting a four-year, $212 million extension before he was rudely awakened by the Brooklyn ownership led by Joe Sy. You got Ben Simmons that went through his mental health issues, but swears he's back and ready to prove that he's an all-star. So people are going to question the mental toughness of the Brooklyn Nets. Let me tell y'all something. The Brooklyn Nets are no joke. The Brooklyn Nets could easily come out of the Eastern Conference. I will concede that when I think about favorites, I think about the Milwaukee Bucks. I will concede that I look at the Philadelphia 76ers and I see the pickup of P.J. Tucker and DeAnthony Melton and Montrezl Harrell. I will concede that Atlanta's interested with DeJounte Murray and Trey Young in the backcourt. I will concede that Brooke, that Cleveland picking up Darius, uh, I'm sorry, Donovan Mitchell to go with Darius Garland to have Eric Mobley. I'm sorry, I didn't mean Eric Mobley. I mean Evan Mobley to still have Jared Allen, to still have Kevin Love. I will concede that Cleveland could easily be a top four team in the Eastern Conference. I will concede that we can't ignore Miami. Led by Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero with his new 130 million plus contract extension. But I still get back to Brooklyn because they got that brother KD. Kevin Durant. I don't give a damn what I felt about Kyrie and his unvaccinated status and his willingness to miss games. And I believe costing the Brooklyn Nets a chance, a real chance at the chip last year and all of this other stuff. I'm focused on the future. I'm not trying to go in the past. I'm not trying to go in the past. I'm trying to go to the future. I want to look past all of that. The last year. I'm not going to be, I'm going to try, I'm going to strive to the best of my ability, fellas and ladies. I'm going to strive not to be as critical as I was in the past. I'm trying to turn over a new leaf. I'm trying to be a pleasant version of Stephen A. I'm trying to get to that point where I want to look to the future. And see the rose petaled path that's available. I want to believe that Kyrie Irving is going to show up because he's incentivized because he watched Zach Levine in Chicago and Bradley Beal in Washington get 200 plus million dollar deals. I want to concede that. Hey, this brother going to show up. He playing for a new country. I know he has every intention of being a Los Angeles Laker next year. Joining LeBron and AD possibly in their last year's Lakers next season because they're the only ones safe in L.A. But Kyrie here now. And because he's here now, my mindset is, hey, okay. Kyrie going to be on this game. I got him as a leading candidate for league MVP honors. That's right, Stephen A. He's got Kyrie Irving as an MVP candidate. You know why? Because how much more incentive do you need they're missing out on $212 million. Brother can act like he don't care about money. He cares. 
He can act like it don't matter what other people make it because he ain't counting the money in their pockets. But trust me, he is. Zach Levine and Bradley Beal, as I stated earlier, they got their bag. Kyrie's got to get his. The first order of business is that he has to show a willingness that he's going to show up to work. Ain't nobody questioning his greatness. We know how phenomenal he is. Spectacular box office. The only question you got about Kyrie Irving is, is he going to show up to work? Because he's only played more than 60 games a season in four out of his 11 years in the league. I got him as a leading candidate for league MVP honors. Of course, we're going to put Embiid and Giannis up there. Okay, we're going to do that. We'll put Steph Curry up there. LeBron James for a little while. Yes, even at his age. Kevin Durant, definitely. But Kyrie's the leading candidate for league MVP honors. And if KD don't get in his way, wouldn't it be surprised, surprising to me at all if Kyrie won the damn thing? I'm just saying. Ben Simmons don't need to shoot to be an all-star. And he's an elite defensive player as well. KD is KD. I love the pickup of Markeith Morris. I love the fact that Joe Harris is returning. I love the fact that Seth Curry is still there too. I like Claxton. I think they need some girth. They need a big body, somebody muscular to go up against those big physical teams. I mean, when you got to deal with Allen and you got to deal with Joel Embiid and you got to deal with all of these other cats in Milwaukee like Giannis and Lopez and those guys, you might need some girth. But from a talent perspective, the Brooklyn Nets are the truth. And the real question about them outside of their girth is their coaching. You wouldn't have that if Ime Udoka was there, their former assistant. You wouldn't have that at all. Maybe that's why the Boston Celtics didn't fire him. Because he would have had the freedom to go elsewhere. I don't know whether this is true or not. I'm just speculating. But damn it, it makes sense. And that's why all of this makes me so sick. That's why I think it's BS. I'm not saying he didn't do something wrong. I'm not saying he didn't violate company policy. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be fired. I'm saying two things. It was an HR issue. It was none of our business. It never should have been publicized. That's number one. And number two, if you felt that adamant about it, then let him go. So he could have the freedom to coach elsewhere. I don't think they did it because they scared he would have ended up in Brooklyn. But that's just me. That's just the Eastern Conference. Milwaukee's a favorite, numerous threats, but I think Brooklyn are those dudes. That's just me. That's me in the East. I ain't talk about the West yet, but I will in just a minute. This is No Mercy with Stephen A. Needless to say, I'm just getting warmed up. Don't touch that dial. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? You know, I could have easily brought up some of the other teams in the Eastern Conference, but it was unnecessary. 
I mean, what do you want me to say, guys? I mean, I'll mention Chicago, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, their threat. I understand that, but I don't see them. I see them in the play-in. I truly, truly do. Toronto, they always make things interesting. Nick Nurse is a hell of a coach. They still got Siakam. They still got Fred Van Vliet. They still win more games than you ever expect them to. But in the end, what do you want me to say? I didn't bring up the Knicks, damn it, because I'm in a good mood. And I don't want to be depressed thinking about these damn Knicks. I love the fact that they got Jalen Brunson. But when you show up at a game in Dallas, sit behind a bench, and your hire's daddy is an assistant coach a month before you acquire him, and stuff like that, this ain't Kentucky. It came across as Bush League to me. All of that wasn't required to overpay Jalen Brunson or give him $104 million. Now the brother can play. He's a champion at Villanova. Damn good player in the NBA. I'm happy he got his money. He's a good dude, good kid, works hard, got herky-jerky movements with his ball skills and what have you. He could possibly do some things. I think they've helped at the point guard spot. And I love seeing my brother Derrick Rose back in action. And I love the fact that R.J. Barrett got his money. And they extended him. First time the Knicks extended anybody since damn near 1999. I get all of that. But what am I supposed to do? I just gave you Boston... Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Miami, Philly, Cleveland, Atlanta. I gave you seven teams, y'all. What am I supposed to do? I got to sit here and hope the Knicks make the play-in. I ain't even count Toronto, who was better than the Knicks last year. I, I told you I brought up Chicago. They're better. Ladies and gentlemen, I just gave you eight teams. Eight, nine teams already. I'm just looking at it. What do you want me to say? Charlotte. I mean, they got obliterated again in the play-in, which is why their coach got fired and Steve Clifford is back coaching the team. Atlanta, uh, Orlando's got some young thoroughbreds and their future could be bright, but that's the distant future. Couple of years down the road, maybe. Not right now. The only reason Indiana is relevant in anybody's mind is because they've got Miles Turner and Buddy Hield. And by the way, that's who the Lakers are looking to move Russell Westbrook for, even though Indiana is uncooperative. So I'm just saying, let's pump the brakes. Let's make sure that we pay attention to what's going on here. The reality of the situation is clear. Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philly. Miami, Boston, Atlanta, Cleveland, Chicago, and Toronto. That's nine teams. That's who you think about before you even get to my New York Knicks. How am I supposed to feel? Oh! Can I have one season with these dudes? Oh! I'm just taking a deep breath, you know, because I get a bit emotional when it comes to my Knicks. <laughs> Y'all just don't understand the level of misery that I go through. Ladies and gentlemen, y'all think it's, you know, you, you think I'm being hyperbolic or, you know, I'm just joking around. When I tell you I'm not going to the garden this year, I'm not going to the garden. I'm not going to the garden. I'm so freaking disgusted with the Knicks, man. Hey, this is what the Knicks would do. Let me tell you what the Knicks would do to me. 
So they'll win a few games, right? And they'll be competitive and they'll get everybody excited. And then I'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go to the garden. I'm going to go to the garden, you know. And then I'll go to the garden and they'll stick up the joint. Or James Dolan will make headlines for doing something stupid and childish and belligerent because that's what kids with, with, born with silver spoons in their mouth tend to do even when they become adults. I got a guy, Leon Rose, that's the president of basketball operations. Ladies and gentlemen, I've known Leon Rose for over 20 years. I really, really have love for the man. His son's the agent for Jalen Brunson. That doesn't bother me. I'm quite sure his son worked hard and deserved and earned the right to be in that position. I've known Rick Brunson, the assistant coach, for years. I covered him as a college reporter back in the 90s when I was working for the Philadelphia Inquirer. And he was a star at Temple. Love Rick Brunson. Very happy for him. I'm not bringing up these names for no reason. I'm bringing up these names because how you do things matter. When we talk about a gold standard, we don't come close. The Knicks don't even get a bronze medal. The hell with silver or gold. They don't even deserve a bronze because of how they choose to handle stuff. You don't go out recruiting Jalen Brunson like this is college. You don't hire his daddy a month before you acquire him. You hire him a year ago. You don't have a guy in Gershon Rojas that got fired in Minnesota on the phone talking to the Utah Jazz on your behalf when you are the president of basketball operations, Leon Rose. You can't do that. It gets around. And then people look at the Knicks and they say, it's a shit show. I'm not cussing, I'm quoting. This is what executives are telling me about how they're doing business. I don't want to speak against Leon Rose. I'm not rooting against the Knicks. I don't look at Leon Rose and say he's done an awful job. They got to the playoffs two years ago. They were respectable now. I got it. I got it. But you cannot be the president of basketball operations. You can't be the president of basketball operations and you giving interviews to the MSG in-house network that employs you because you're scared to take questions from the media. You can't do that. Not when you're the Knicks. Why? Because James Dolan is your owner. And he's done enough to alienate the media. He's done enough to alienate New York Knicks fans. You can't come along and mirror his behavior, but think you're going to galvanize folks with the product that you put on the floor when it ain't even top nine. You can't do that. It's insulting. Because now we get to focus on all the things that are off the basketball court because the product on the basketball court isn't good enough. Why do y'all think that my colleague at ESPN, who, who does color commentary for games, Mr. Mark Jackson, is somebody I've religiously wanted to be the head coach for the New York Knicks? Do y'all think it's just coaching, even though he did a great job in Golden State? Of course, that's not it, y'all. That's not the issue. I did it because 
The New York Knicks are in desperate need of a voice. I love Tom Thibodeau, but all he is is basketball. Anywhere else that suffices, not the Knicks. Because with the Knicks, Dolan is such a problem that he's alienated too many folks. And when you bring in a president of basketball operations who is a former agent and his behavior, meaning his unwillingness to communicate with the media specifically, that's all I'm talking about here. His behavior mirrors that of James Dolan. It makes matters worse. So you need somebody at the helm that the media is in front of every day that's inclined to provoke a benefit of the doubt from the New York Knicks faithful because of his roots in New York. Mark Jackson is from Queens. Mark Jackson's grew up five minutes away from me. Mark Jackson used to play at O'Connell Park. Mark Jackson went to Bishop Lockwood High School. Mark Jackson starred at St. John's University. Mark Jackson came in the, into the NBA, drafted by the New York Knicks, and was Rookie of the Year. The Showtime docuseries, executive produced by Kevin Durant, along with a slew of point guards, Rod Strickland, Stephon Marbury, list goes on and on, Kenny Smith, you know who else? Mark Jackson, New York City, he personifies it. That's why I keep pushing for him to be that coach. So we can have somebody that allows us to look at them and basketball instead of paying any attention to James Dolan and how he chooses to conduct business. Y'all don't get it yet? It don't make sense to you? Why do you think I say the New York Knicks are trash? I'm not talking about their basketball. Julius Randle can play. R.J. Barrett can play. Derrick Rose can play. Jalen Brunson can play. Mitchell Robinson is a big boy that could do some positive things. Evan Fournier shows up every two, to, every two out of five games. That's true. But damn it, those two games, he does well. I'm not talking about basketball. I'm talking about a culture that has infected the city of New York like a damn virus. Only reason I won't extend or expound upon that extensively is because we're still living in the age of COVID. And I don't want to be insensitive to that. But I'm talking about the Knicks and the imagery that they disseminate and the culture that they swear they're establishing that we're supposed to have faith in. Well, why? You ain't telling us and you damn sure ain't showing us why. Should we have faith in that culture? As long as James Dolan is at the top and allowing or provoking the kind of behavior that we're seeing. That's the point. That's my problem. And that's what's hard about this. I was supposed to get into the Western Conference. But I'm going to need a break before I do that. Because you see, this is what the Knicks do to me. This is what they do to me. It's hard to take. It's hard to take, damn it. I'm a native New Yorker. And my team that I grew up loving, sweating and dying for. Ain't been relevant in 22 years and counting. New York Knicks won a playoff game two years ago. My dumb ass was at the garden celebrating like we won the championship. 
This is what they do to me. I can't help it. But I'm trying. I'm trying. <sighs> Stick around. I got the Western Conference to get into. No Mercies in the House with Stephen A. Back with more in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? That break was well needed. I'll admit it. I need to take a break because the Knicks, they just do that to me. They just, they make me very, very upset and they depress me. So I'll focus on bigger issues. One of the things that's happened since the NBA Finals is that the two biggest scandals approaching the sport, I shouldn't say scandals, two biggest things that have invaded our headlines approaching this NBA season are from the two combatants in last, in, in last June's NBA Finals. We've had Ime Udoka, which I've already touched on, and we've had Draymond Green. Now, there are those that would sit up there and say, what about Phoenix Suns owner Robert Sarver? Ladies and gentlemen, he's not a player. He's an owner. And forgive me, um, as appalled as I am over the reports and the investigation, the findings of the investigation showed him using the N-word and, you know, being misogynistic towards women and all of this other stuff. He clearly needed to go. And props to Robert Sarver, who was originally suspended for a year and fined $10 million for ultimately electing uh, to investigate selling or, or to probe into selling the team because he's somebody that doesn't need to be an NBA owner. Fair enough. Ladies and gentlemen, call me what you will. I wish it was James Dolan. I'm not saying I wish James Dolan was found to be guilty of such things. Even though we know that the garden has had its history of controversy, Madison Square Garden, that is. That's not where I'm going. I'm simply saying, looking at just the raw reality of an owner that you'd want gone, forgive me. I wish James Dolan was gone as the owner of the New York Knicks. The fact that Sarver is going to be gone, okay. We don't know if folks that's going to behave like that associated with the National Basketball Association. Okay. Nobody's here to argue that. I just wish that James Dolan was walking out the door with him. I wish ineptitude was a crime. I wish futility was a crime. I wish childish, belligerent, petulant behavior from a grown-ass man was a crime. Because James Dolan would have been indicted tried and convicted a long time ago, especially for contaminating others to appear to do the same. But I digress. I'll instead go to the Western Conference and I'll talk about Draymond Green for a second. Sometime in the near future, I'm going to reappear on James uh, on Draymond Green's podcast and he's going to appear here too. I know him. I got love for him. He's a good brother. He made a terrible and horrendous mistake. What he did to Jordan Poole, Jordan Poole could have easily filed charges against him. 
He damn near knocked him out, y'all. Y'all saw the video. He gets in Poole's face after fool's chirping, I guess. Poole shoves him away. And then Draymond leans in with that right and cold cocks him. And the only thing that held Poole up was the fact that Draymond had lunged into him with the punch and fell into him. So that kept him up. He could have filed charges. Obviously, most people believe Draymond should have been suspended. And that's my man. And even though he is, I'm here to tell you, I'm one of those who agree with it. If the Warriors had elected to suspend him, I could not have had a single issue with that. Now, I can tell you for a fact that the reason they didn't suspend him is because they won the championship and the season opens with a ring ceremony. And because the season opened with the ring ceremony, they did not want to suspend him from being a participant to that in that when he's meant so much to them ultimately capturing the rings. There are some people who felt he should have been allowed to be there for the ring ceremony. And then after that gets suspended. They didn't want to tarnish the ring ceremony. And considering his years of service and how valuable of a commodity he is to the team. There you have it. There is no getting around the fact that Draymond Green was wrong. There is no gaining around the fact that he should not have done what he has done. And for those on the outside world, with the benefit of a video at their discretion to look and view it for themselves, we all have a right to feel the way we feel. Here's the thing. NBA players and coaches and people like that got some damn nerve going off on Draymond like this. They know these things happen. It happens in the NBA quite often. Remember Spreewell trying to choke P.J. Carlissimo? What if, what if that was on video? Tried to strangle him. I remember when Charles Oakley and Coach Paul Silas got into a fist fight. I mean, they were throwing down. I've seen coaches. Players have to be restrained from coaches. Players get into fist fights all the time. It's happened. Now, it doesn't look good for Draymond since you're so much bigger than a Jordan Poole. What you got about, about 40 or 50 pounds? And at least about three or four inches in height? What are you doing? But for NBA players to come out, I'm not going to mention any names because I don't feel like calling them out like that. But I know one former NBA player that went on Twitter and was going off about Draymond Green. This particular player, who I love, by the way, good brother. I just disagree with him on his point about Draymond. Here's the reason why. And he knows who he is. He took a hot bowl of soup and threw it on an assistant coach. A hot bowl of soup and threw it on an assistant coach. Ladies and gentlemen, he could have been arrested. How the hell are you on Twitter talking about Draymond Green? Kevon Looney. The teammate of Draymond Green. Well, he's got to regain our trust. What the hell are you talking about? Did he did he cold cock you? What you mean he got to regain your trust? Because you had a good playoffs and you were relevant with some rebounds? 
and you looked serviceable for a change and you're clearly adored and loved by Steve Kerr, suddenly you're going to get up at a press conference and forget that that's your teammate? And you're going to talk about how he got to regain y'all trust? Jordan Poole's got a right to say that. Steve Kerr has a right to say that, even though Michael Jordan, when he cold-cocked you years ago, as y'all talked about on Last Dance, there was no video, but I digress. Steve Kerr's the coach. He's got a right to say that. Bob Myers, the coach. He's got a right to say that. He's the GM of the Warriors. Steve Kerr's the coach. Joe Lacob's the owner. He's got a right to say that. You Kavon Looney? Really, bro? Really? I mean, I want to applaud you because you had a hell of a playoff series. And you actually showed for a change that you could jump as high, you could jump onto a curb. Congratulations. You talking about Draymond Green like he got to regain your trust? You know how you sound? Come on, man. Y'all got to be tripping. You got to be kidding me. Let's be grownups here. Jordan Poole, if he never forgave Draymond Green, I can't blame him. If he never wanted to speak to Draymond Green again, I can't blame him. If he never trusted Draymond Green in life again, I can't blame him. If during his negotiations before he signed his new four-year, 104 agreed to rather, his four-year, $140 million contract, and he was sitting up there saying, I want Draymond gone, I can't blame him. Because when you cold cock a brother like that, that ain't something we going to get over too easily. It makes sense. But he's the one that got hit. Now, not that this has anything to do with anything, because I don't know of anything like that with the Warriors. But if you had a situation like I've known in years past with other teams where you got a teammate screwing around with another teammate's woman or wife, then that's a different matter. Because oh, they, 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 that is a matter of trust. That makes sense to me. But because one teammate got punched in the face by another, that means you feel betrayed? That don't make sense to me. I'm sorry. There's a difference. I don't comprehend that. And there were a few other players that had a lot to say. That conducted themselves like damn hooligans when they were playing in the NBA. But suddenly, now that we living in this different age, you want to sit up there and, and, and pile on Draymond. Draymond was wrong. Draymond had to admit he was wrong. All of that's true. Ain't nobody absolving. I spoke to Draymond and told him himself. I thought he was hellified wrong. And he deserved to be suspended. And he should have took time away from the team. All of that's true. But I'm talking about the culture of NBA players. So now you want to paint him as some dude. We bringing up anger management issues. And we bringing up other stuff where there's nothing like this has ever happened in his career. What are we going to do next? Talk about him on medication. That's where we going to go next. When y'all know this stuff is happening, did you talk about the other players in the league that's done this? Did we do that? Do you want me to go into detail about the stuff that I know about? See, some of this is straight BS. And that's all I'm saying. Having said all of that, let me say this, y'all. I said it the day after they won the championship. And I'm going to say it again. I got the Warriors repeating as champions this year. I got the Warriors repeating.
I don't expect Steph Curry to get worse. I expect Klay Thompson to be better. Andrew Wiggins, the new four-year, $109 million extended man, coupled on top of the $33 million he's scheduled to earn this season, he's staying. Jordan Poole, he's staying. This kid Moses Moody, I've been hearing a lot about him. Kevon Looney does have his purpose. Steve Kerr loves the ground the boy walks on. The young man, I apologize. Loves the ground he walked on. And Kevon Looney can play. Got a new three-year, $25 million deal. He is happy. Kaminga. This brother is athletic freak. By the way, when I said weeks ago that he got to get his act together off the court, might be partying a little bit too much, might be not, might not be as focused as they would like him to be, even though he's got a very promising future. You just want to reel it in a little bit and stuff like that. Ladies and gentlemen, I heard what Andre Iguodala said to refute what I was saying, along with Steve Kerr and others. I don't give a damn what they said. I'm telling you what I heard. And my sources are pretty damn good when it comes to the streets. It is where I'm from, after all. I didn't say the brother was committing crimes. I didn't sit up there and say he was violating other people or anything like that. I said he needed to get focused. That's all I'm saying. You see how people get real sensitive and stuff like that? All I said is that he needed to lock in and become a bit more focused, like Moses Moody has been doing. Because everybody there loves him. Ladies and gentlemen, they've got Dante DiVincenzo. They've got Jonathan Wiseman coming back. Okay? Let's not forget about him. James Wiseman, I apologize. You got Poole. You got Moody. And everybody I mentioned, I'm sorry, the Warriors are the favorites to win it all. I don't give a damn what anybody says. And their coach is first class. That's why you didn't see the commissioner and the NBA step in with the Draymond situation. They left it up to the Warriors to handle it because they're a first class organization that has proven they deserve the benefit of the doubt. If this was the New York Knicks, Adam Silver would have stepped in and made decisions. He doesn't need to with the Warriors because they know what the hell they're doing. So with that being said, who's the number one threat? To the Golden State Warriors. I'm going to tell you it's the Los Angeles Clippers. Kawhi Leonard. I mean, Mr. 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 Load Management himself. I mean, my Lord, he gives new meaning to it. I mean, you talk about a guy that used to play for Greg Popovich, who instigated load management in all of our minds. I mean, this dude, Kawhi Leonard, has been the poster child for it. Because before he got hurt, he was ex exercising load management. But him and Paul George are back, and we know they're studs, and they can ball. Norman Powell's there. Marcus Morris is there. Luke Kennard is there. Robert Covington is there. Reggie Jackson is there. And the pickup of John Wall, I like. And I still like Zubak. I'm a Zubak fan. I don't think the Lakers should have ever lost him. But I got to tell you something. Clippers got a chance. Let me tell you, who else does? Denver. Jamal Murray's coming back. Michael Porter's back. You still got Jokic and that Denver Nuggets crew. I got news for you. I can't sleep on those brothers. Not even a little bit. I'm just looking at their roster right now. Aaron Gordon. They picked up Contavious Caldwell-Pope who won a championship with the Lakers in the bubble a couple of years back. We know he could shoot. Jeff Green is still there. Bruce Brown over from the Nets. He's got a promising future. I like Bruce Brown. He's got potential. The Denver Nuggets cannot be ignored.
So I'm looking at those two teams. Notice I didn't mention Phoenix. I think Phoenix's window is coming going. They'll make the playoffs. They'll be, win 50 games. Chris Paul is still one of the great point guards. But what Dallas did to them in the postseason in that game seven, had them down by 50. Let me tell you something. I don't know how you recover from that. I think Dallas is still in the mix, but losing Jalen Brunson might hurt them. But they did pick up Christian Wood. They still got Dorian Finney-Smith. Spencer Dinwiddie is there. Tim Hardaway Jr. is coming back. Cleaver's still there. They picked up JaVel McGee. You still got Luka. He's the star. They'll make some noise there. It's possible. I'm just looking at these teams. Minnesota with Rudy Gobert. Okay? We're Carl Anthony Towns, and this brother Anthony Edwards has arrived. I love that brother. I just question, I just question their depth, and I question the smartness with which they play or the lack thereof. I don't know how they're going to do. And Rudy Gobert's a liability in the postseason against perimeter teams because they're going to pull him out to the perimeter and try to make him defend on that point as he's out of place. So I don't know how that's going to work out for them, but we shall see. Okay? How can I talk about this? in the West without talking about the Lakers. Ladies and gentlemen, here's the deal. If Indiana would cooperate, the Lakers, the Lakers would trade Russell Westbrook for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald tomorrow. But, and, and I believe that the Lakers will give up their first round picks in 27 and 29 too. I really do. Those are the only picks they've got for the rest of the decade, first round picks. But I'd give it up. Work out free agency. You could always get somebody to come play in Tinseltown. Play for the purple and gold. But LeBron, James, Anthony Davis, they're titled for the next two seasons with a player option for a third year, 2024-2025. I believe this year they go with what they go with unless they can get Buddy Hill to Miles Turner. And then Kyrie Irving joins the Los Angeles Lakers after next after, after, after this season. He joins them in the summer. That's my personal belief. Don't know that for a fact. Just my personal belief. But I like the Lonnie Walker pickup. I like the Dennis Schroeder return. I like Juan Toscano Anderson coming from the Warriors. I like that. And of course, I like Patrick Beverly because he's a Hall of Fame pest. Having said all of that, here's the reality. When I look out West, and I especially because my sleep is the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, when you got Brandon Ingram, when you got CJ McCollum and his leadership, when we got those young thoroughbreds that they got available to them, I'm a huge, huge fan of the New Orleans Pelicans. David Griffin has done a phenomenal job as an executive there, and Willie Green is the right coach for that team. Very proud of the job that he did last year. But you got Valanciunas in the middle. You got McCullum and Ingram, okay? Devontae Graham is no scrub. He's coming over from Charlotte. You know what he could do. He's shooting the ball, okay? This kid, Jackson Hayes, I mean, I like him. You look at guys like Dyson Daniels, Garrett Temple, and these boys, you can't ignore them. And Zion Williamson returns. Ladies and gentlemen, they've got length. They've got shooters. They've got athleticism. They got power at the basket. They got finishers at the basket. They're well coached. New Orleans can get to the conference finals. So when I look at the Western Conference, I got Golden State, Clippers, Denver, Dallas, New Orleans. I got them. I got at least five. Phoenix is six. I didn't even mention Memphis with John Morant and that, and that crew. 
If I'm Memphis, don't give up Jaron Jackson Jr. I like him. He's a defender and shot blocker. I like Jaron Jackson a lot. Put Keep him in Steven Adams. Tyus Jones is a damn good backup point guard. Job Moran is a superstar. This brother healthy, he's a superstar. Every Deserving of every penny he's got. Okay? And I like seeing his daddy courtside cheering him on too. And his boys. I had the pleasure of meeting them in Dallas. Good dudes. Dylan Brooks. Last year, his deal, he's motivated. Danny Green is there last now. His experience and his leadership. Brandon Clark, I've always been a fan of. Memphis. I just gave you seven teams before I even got to the Lakers. So what are we looking at? With a healthy Anthony Davis, who's a top seven, top eight player in the game when healthy. But asking him to be healthy is a lot. LeBron James is 37. That's in his 20th year in the league. He's going to be 38 this year. Let me tell you something. LeBron and Anthony Davis, healthy. Lakers could be top five. Anthony Davis getting injured again. Lakers in the play-in. Which means they go home in the first round. That's how I see it. But I hope I'm wrong. Because I am unapologetic about this reality. When it comes to the playoffs. There's no place I enjoy more than being at the Staples Center for a Lakers game. It's just been a while since they gave me one. I hope they change that. Appreciate y'all tuning in to this latest edition of Stephen A's No Mercy with Stephen A. Smith. Coming at you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Want to give you a sports podcast to jump off this NBA season. I'm glad, proud, and gratified that y'all tuned in to listen to me. I hope you will continue because you never know what I'm going to deliver from podcast to podcast. Whatever the hell is on my mind is what I'm going to touch on. And I just wanted to do this particular podcast to let you know, sports world, I didn't forget about you. Having said that, I always end by telling you this. You don't have to know sports to know mercy. I'm signing off. Until next time. Peace and love, everybody. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts. Guess who's got a memoir coming out, ladies and gentlemen? Yours truly, Stephen A. Smith. It's entitled Straight Shooter, and it's available right now for pre-order. I have signed these books, just so you know. So you can visit straightshooterbook.com to order your autographed copy today. In the book, I talk about my life before ESPN, growing up in Hollis, Queens, New York, how sports proved to be my salvation. I talk about some of the mistakes I've made in my life and my impact on the world of sports. The book is called Straight Shooter, and it's written to help motivate you to overcome setbacks that maybe prevent you from reaching your dreams. So go right now and order your autographed copy of my memoir, straightshooterbook.com. Don't wait. It's entitled Straight Shooter. Check it out. Don't miss it.